Hey friends, this is Andy Storch, and I'm excited to announce that we are bringing the Talent Development Think Tank Conference back on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. Yes, you might remember we hosted this conference for the first time in January 2020, and it was a huge hit with everyone telling us it was the best conference they ever attended. And of course, we were looking forward to running it again in 2021 until the pandemic hit. That's when I launched the Talent Development Think Tank membership community, and that's been going strong since May of 2020. But I know how valuable it is to get people together in person, and that's why we are excited to be bringing the conference back again on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. I'm committed to making this a highly engaging and interactive event where you can connect, learn, and grow together with other talent development professionals. This is going to be the best event out there in talent development, and I would love to see you there. If you want to find more information and get your tickets today, the website is tdtt.us conference. That's tdtt.us slash conference. I hope to see you there. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat, a show where I interview business executives, talent development professionals, and thought leaders to find out what has been successful and challenging in the world of talent development. My objective is to share ideas, valuable lessons, tools, advice, and trends. My hope is that all of this will ultimately help you, the listener, expand your knowledge, grow your career, and accelerate your success as a talent development professional. Okay, everybody, we are live on LinkedIn and uh, recording for the podcast as well. Welcome, everybody, to the Talent Development Hot Seat. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I am excited that you're joining me today with Curtis Brooks. And Curtis leads the development of U.S. Bank's learning ecosystem. In his role, Curtis is responsible for creating strategic direction critical to implementing a virtual, simplistic, employee-centered ecosystem that systematically and seamlessly connects all parts of the bank's learning and development activities. He has nearly 20 years of experience designing talent strategies and shaping learning organizations and is really deep into data analytics and looking at what is worth doing and what's not worth doing and really creating a great employee experience. And that's why I wanted to bring him on today. So Curtis, welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat. Good morning. Thanks for having me, You're welcome. And thanks for being my guinea pig, because as I mentioned, for those of you listening on the podcast, we're recording this on LinkedIn Live. It's only the second time I've done a LinkedIn Live and the first time I've done an interview on LinkedIn Live. So I hope this works out pretty well. And I mentioned in there a little bit, the reason why I brought you on is we met at a conference, I think it was the Argyle conference in Dallas last year and stayed in touch. And we talked recently and you told me about some of the things you've been doing, especially with regards to data analytics and you know really treating talent development almost like a business and thinking about it from that business mindset and I don't hear too many people talking about that and I thought it would be great for others to to hear that from you as well so can you fill in a little bit of color there on you know what you do today with US Bank and what really drives you because you also said that you know you're really driven by your why by your purpose yeah, absolutely. So with the bank, so I guess I guess the official title, I guess, would be VP of Content Curation and Strategy. And I think, like I told people at Argyle, and I'll say the same thing here, it's probably a fancy way of saying I'm responsible for creating a learning ecosystem or an integrated learning system, if you will, environment at U.S. Bank. And what we have there, and I don't think U.S. Bank is different than a lot of other financial institutions, is, you know, we're rich in content. And we have a lot of developmental opportunities. You know, the problem or obstacle that we run into, and I think as a new hire, I ran into it, you know, a couple of years ago, the same thing, 
is that, you know, that development, those resources are buried in different places across the organization and sometimes are buried too deep. If you think about the number of clicks it takes to access that content, that people just don't know what's out there, where to find it. And if they do find it by happenstance, they don't necessarily know how to interact with it and make it work for them where they are in their career. So what we're doing at the bank is figuring out, you know, through our strategy of how to bring all that content to the forefront, connect it so that interconnectedness, that ecosystem that I talked about, connect it and make it make sense for the employee in a simple manner. If you work in talent development, you know that your job has become more important than ever. The problem is there's so much uncertainty and noise out in the business world and things are changing so fast, it's hard to know where to go and what tools and resources to use to solve your problems. That's why I recently launched the Talent Development Think Tank community as a central and safe place to access information, ask questions, and talk with other L&D professionals like you so that you can achieve your goals and accelerate your career. Join today to get instant access to our online platform and community of ambitious, helpful talent development professionals who understand your world and can help you solve your problems. Right now, I'm offering 25% off the subscription price to podcast listeners. Just go to talentdevelopmentthinktank.com and use code HOTSEAT for 25% off. That's talentdevelopmentthinktank.com and use code HOTSEAT. Thanks, and on to the episode. And so you'd ask me about my purpose. I'll probably take a couple steps back. So really my purpose, I found a way a few years back to really talk to people in a way that it resonates with them. So I tell people that my purpose is to give employees an opportunity to be successful in their jobs and their careers. That's my purpose. That's my why. And how I do that, you know, takes many forms. So whether that's, you know, creating talent strategies, whether that's developing or reshaping learning organizations, or my most recent adventure is executive coaching. So, you know, my why can take place in, in many shapes and forms. So. Yeah, that's great. And the reason I brought that up was because, you know, I'm a student of, uh, of course, all kinds of things with regards to leadership and life. And I've watched Simon Sinek's TED Talk many times, The Three Golden Circles. People know it as Start With Why, who wrote a book called Start With Why. And I think that knowledge is ubiquitous. It's out there now that purpose is really important. And yet I still don't hear people really leading with that. You know, what is the purpose? What is the why that's driving me? And yet when you have it, I think it's the thing that causes people to be so much more excited about showing up to work on Monday, right? And, and understanding why they're doing the things they're doing is also going to help them overcome or, or achieve those big goals and overcome those challenges. Because I'm sure in what you do, being in a large organization, you're going to run into a lot of challenges, a lot of roadblocks, right? And that's probably something that's going to help guide you and keep you going. Absolutely. I mean, once you understand your why and you understand the why of the organization that you're working for, I mean, you know, everybody's going to have tough days, right? You can't necessarily avoid that. But, you know, those obstacles, those tough days, once you understand your why, that's what's going to keep you getting up on those hot mornings or those cold mornings and making it to the office and doing the things that you need to do, you know, for your internal customers or your external customers. You know, I often equate, and I like Simon Sinek as well. I listen to a lot of his work. Yeah. I, I often equate the why, and you'll probably hear Simon say it in some of his, his TED Talks, I equate the why to the heart and then you have the what to the head and then you have the how to the hands. So 
most people start with the what, right? You know, logically, here's the what, here's what makes sense. But that's not really where people make the initial connections, no real connection, right? The sticky connections that we want. That usually happens in the why, which connects to the heart, to the purpose. And once people understand the purpose, they believe in the purpose, they can identify with it. Then when you start talking about the what we're going to do, what that starts to make better sense. And then you get to the how we're going to do it, right? The tactical, the hands piece, then that will resonate with people so they can connect the heart to the head to the hand, so to speak. So starting with that why makes sense, but I don't think it's as intuitive. I think that's something that you learn, you learn over time. Yeah. And it's, it's so common in our society that we just talk about the what or the how, right? What do you do? Well, I process, you know, paperwork or I create talent programs or whatever it is, right? But why, you know, why do you do it is so much more compelling, usually makes people more intrigued. So let's get a little bit into the what. You said something earlier about, about creating an environment of talent readiness and career development. Tell me more about what that means for you at U.S. Bank. Yeah, so for me at U.S. Bank, and again, I'm going to say we're probably not that different than other financial institutions where they are in their progression, you know, in this digital economy. We could talk a little bit more about that one as well. So, you know, I have a three-part strategy that I'm working with, and it's the, the technology, or what I like to call it is the hub, right? So I mentioned earlier that we have a lot of learning products, a lot of developmental products that are spread across the bank. And I'm sure it's the same way with most companies, definitely that I've worked with. And so from a technology standpoint, creating that hub, we want to create an environment to where the employee has one place to go to be able to access all that learning and development content and opportunity. So I equate it to, if you think about the financial institution that you work with, the bank. So with U.S. Bank, we only have one app. We have many different product services departments that offer those products and services, but we only have one app. And so when you access that app, you can go into that one location, that one point, and then you can maneuver through the different places in that app to do business with the different departments you need to do business with. So when I think about the technology, the hub, we need to have the same thing for our employees internally. They need to have that one app, so to speak, that one entry point location to the way they can enter into learning and development. And then from that point, they can navigate to the different parts of learning that they need to interact with. So that, that's the first point on three-point strategy is the technology, the hub. The second piece, and again, this is Curtis thinking about learning and development as a business, is your products and services. Well, what do you mean products and services? I'm specifically talking about your learning content, right? Your developmental content. I think about those in terms of products, and services. So really, how are we curating, how are we developing products and services that will meet our employees where they are today in their development? And to be able to do that, we one, have to understand where are they? And we have to understand where do we need to be and where do they need to be to be able to develop those different products and services. And then the third point is really around taxonomy. So in the technology, in the hub, how do we organize all that content in a way that makes sense, that's simple, that's easy for the user to locate and to interact with? And so those are some of the behind-the-scenes connections that we're making within our technology. And then, then I would say the fourth thing is not necessarily part of my three-point strategy, but I would say the fourth thing is really marketing. 
And historically, I don't think learning and development departments have done a real good job. And I don't think that's on purpose. It's just how it happened. Yeah. But we've done a real good job of really marketing, again, those products and services. So what we have to focus on is we've developed these products and services. How do we start to market them? And so if you think about it from a financial standpoint, you know, most banks, most financial institutions have had a, a pool strategy, meaning that when somebody wants to make a financial transaction, they'll go to their bank and do their business or conduct their business. And what you see happening today with, with a lot of financial institutions or just consumer organizations in general is that it's more of a, a push strategy. So through their analytics, most of the time through apps, they're able to identify what products and services people are interacting with and what they want. And then they're recommending other products and services similar to what the data shows that they're purchasing, they're interacting with. So from right. a large point, you know, we have to start taking in some of those concepts and practically making it work for learning. So we'll still have the pool that people will access learning to interact with it. But we also have to use our data and analytics to start pushing, pushing content, pushing learning, pushing opportunities to our employees where they are in, in their development. Yeah, well, that's if you look at life, that's what we're used to now, right? You're used to, you know, Netflix, YouTube, Spotify, all these apps that we use in our personal life that tell us, hey, you you watch this or you listen to this, and we think that you will like this. I mean, I went in my Spotify app yesterday and I noticed there's a concert section now where they list all the concerts coming to my area, but not every concert, just ones that they think that I will be interested in based on the music that I listen to. It makes it so easy for me. And so when you have apps pushing these things at me, making my life easier, I'm going to come to expect that at work as well, right? And absolutely. And that's what we're finding. The same employees, just like you, just like me, we're interacting with you know, with the Spotify, with the Googles, with the Amazons, with the Netflix. I mention those because I use those quite heavily. Our employee populations, regardless of where you work, they're interacting with that type of digitalization or simplification of technology. They're interacting with that outside the environment. And so you better believe when they come to their work environment, they're asking the same thing. Why can't I interact with learning and development? in a more simplified manner, like I can do with the Amazon. So, you know, we have to be conscious. We have to be conscious of what's happening outside of our industry in terms of digitalization. And how do we make that work for our benefit, you know, within our companies? Yeah, I mean, it's really, it's the consumerization of HR and learning, right? I mean, it's being driven by how we see things in the outside world. You can't avoid that. Just like, you know, I always think back to, 2007, 2008, when everybody was using Blackberries and the iPhone came out. And, you know, initially, I think there were a lot of IT managers who said, no, 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 we're not going to let you use your iPhone at work. And then all the employees said, like, no, I am going to use, I want to use my iPhone. And they had to give in and let everybody use their iPhone. And now everybody uses their iPhone or Android and you don't see any Blackberries anymore. Right. And this is how, you know, consumers will push the use of different technology or things into the workplace that hasn't, you know, traditionally they were pulled, like you said before. The question is, you know, how do you make that happen? Do you use certain technology? Do you have partners that you recommend that allow you to push that content to your learner? Yeah, so so we do. Kind of technology, can you silence your yeah. phone? <laughs> so 
We do. So we have a top notch. I, I call it a Bentley of an LMS system that we work with. And, you know, we use that technology to our best today. I think we're discovering more about how that technology can, can be used. But that and other technologies that we're connecting to that LMS it is helping us from a technology standpoint to be able to make some of these changes that we've talked about from a digitalization standpoint. I think other than that, it's really about, you know, telling our story, you know, so understanding how the nature of work is changing, understanding how our consumer, like you mentioned earlier, our consumer population is changing and what their needs and wants are and what those are being driven by and really connecting the story of what we need to do from a business standpoint when we're talking about our external customers. In most cases, we need to do the same thing for our internal customers, our employees. So really, you know, using that technology, leveraging it and being able to make the business case, you know, based on data, what we have in terms of analytics today, what we're seeing other companies are doing and what those analytics are, that's helping us articulate the story of what we should do going forward. And, and I have to say it's, it's an iterative process that doesn't happen, you know, overnight. You know? Yeah. And data is a big part of this, right? You've got to understand what people are doing, especially if you work in a large organization. Can you talk a little bit more about how you leverage data? How do you get the data you need? How do you, what do you do with that? Do you have certain people that are in charge of just manipulating data? Do you have technology of partners? I think a lot of people are curious about that. Yeah. So we have uh, in our learning and development group, we do have partners who specifically focus on data. And then we also have groups like Workforce Analytics that sit outside of learning and development that we're able to partner with in terms of putting all the data together so we can really understand what that story is telling us. And, and I'll give a good example. So we just rolled out a functionality in our LMS that are called playlists. So I call this a, a product, right? And really what that playlist is, is a combination of content. So it could be an actual e-learning course. It could be an internal or an external article. It could be a podcast. It could be a job aid on a specific topic. And so the employee is able to pull up that particular playlist and they can get these different options. And some of those options may be five minutes. Some may be 10 minutes. Others may be you know, 30 seconds to 60 seconds in length. So they have, you know, different levels of product that they can interact with. But as we rolled out those playlists, we specifically set up the type of data collection that we wanted to see from people who are using those playlists, right? And so now I'm going to go back a little bit to come forward, go back to Amazon. So when you interact with Amazon, whether you know it or not, they're taking in all kind of information about what you consume, even what you look at. They're taking in all that information and that data and analytics is helping them tell the story of, hey, here's what Curtis is probably going to look at in the future. So now to fast forward back to learning and development with the playlist, we have our analytics set up so that we can see what populations are using our playlist, what populations are following our playlist, you know, what titles they're interacting with most. And if you look at that story, that can tell us maybe what they're concerned about and what they want more of. We can even tell you from working with our workforce analytics group, again, which sits out of our side of learning and development, we can even tell you generational data about who's using various portions of content. So now really it's up to us to take all that data, all that analytics, and really start to peel back the onion and understand what story it's telling us so that we know what to do 
you know, future, future forward. So I think the key thing is really to know when you roll out these initiatives, what do you want to know about these initiatives? Right. Really analytics plan first, not after you deploy it. Yeah. So begin with the end in mind. What is our objective? What do we want to get out of this? What do we want to learn? And then let's make sure it's set up to capture the right data to help us with that. I'm intrigued. You mentioned the generational data and I don't like to generalize and everybody's different, but I also am always intrigued by this idea of generations changing the way they work and the way they communicate. Is there anything that interesting that you've learned from that generational data and like who yeah. you know, uses the learning differently or different ways or consumes it more? Yeah, interesting. The research says that, you know, our millennials and the newer generations that are coming into the workforce, I think we have what three or four different generations in the workforce today. And so we tend to hear from the research, at least from what I've seen, heard and read, that millennials learn differently. And I think there's some truth to that. But the data collection that I've seen so far, again, going back to the Playlist product that we deployed so far, is that all the generations are using these products. Yeah. And, and maybe as we peel back that onion, we'll find that they're using it for different reasons, but they're all using, you know, using the product. Yeah. And that could be the case, again, going back to what we said earlier, is that all generations are interacting with technology outside the work environment. Mm -hmm. So it's not unnatural for all generations to want to interact with technology in the same way, you know, when they come, come to work. So, right. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, we, you hear like, oh, millennials or Gen Z, whether they're on technology more, they have shorter attention span. It's got to be on their phone or something like that. But, you know, you look around and everybody of every age is on their phone all the time. They're all using technology all the time. There may be a little difference in the types of networks or technology they use. I mean, I have noticed, of course, that those over the age of, say, 35 don't tend to be on Instagram as much as those under. But otherwise, everybody's still using technology in different ways and they still want those options, right? And in classroom, learning is still just as effective at all levels and all ages as well. It is. It is. So it's really about not necessarily one form of delivery or technology over other. It's part of another. It's really about formulating a strategy. So yes, you know, we can use WebEx. You know, we can use the same technology that we're having this conversation today to deploy training. You know, we have e-learning, of course. I think the strategy is to figure out, you've probably heard, you know, the flip classroom, to figure out the strategies of you know, some of that pre-work. So if a class is an hour long, you know, is there anything that we can do with WebEx? Is there any distance learning? Is there anything that we can do via e-learning so that when that employee shows up, let's say to the 15, 20 or 30 minute classroom session now, because we can shorten that from an hour, that we can really use that 30 minutes for skill development. So they have an opportunity to practice, to fail, to get feedback, to get coaching, and then to practice again and start to perfect that skill. So it's not really one form of modality, one form of technology over another. It's really about how are we going to make those technologies work together? What's the strategy? And each strategy may be different based on the initiative. So, Yeah, I like that. This episode of the Talent Development Hot Seat is sponsored by Advantage Performance Group. Advantage is the first place to call when you need leaders to lead, sellers to sell, and your business to flourish. We specialize in connecting organizations with exceptional learning solutions to help them turn strategy into action and get their people doing the best work of their lives. And we're also 
proud to be providing tons of great content and inspiration to you and everyone out there during troubled times. You can go to advantageperformance.com to find any of our weekly webinars, insights, white papers, and blogs we've been putting out to help you survive and thrive during challenging times. That website, again, is advantageperformance.com. And now back to the show. One other thing you said in there that I wanted to follow up on was this idea of treating L&D like a business. I've heard once or twice from other practitioners, but not that often. Tell me a little bit more about your philosophy on that. Yeah, I, you know, earlier in my career, it was a function. So, you know, I wasn't a profit center. So if you think about learning development, HR, maybe in general, it's not necessarily a profit center. So it's not making money, so to speak. We can help the company you know, through our interventions and practices, save money potentially, but we're not a profit center making money. So we don't necessarily feel, or I in my career haven't necessarily felt like, you know, I'm helping the company contribute to the bottom line from a financial standpoint, which sometimes can affect how I approach or affected how I approach my work in learning development. So for me, I switched my framework and I said, well, I'm in learning development. What if I were a consultant and I was consulting this business, and they hired me, would I manage my business differently? Would I manage my interactions differently? And the answer was yes, because for me to earn the next book of business means that I have to be successful with this first book of business. So if I look at it that way, then I'm going to conduct myself and manage the business of learning development as a business, so to speak. I like that. I remember you and I talked about that last time too. And when you have that mindset, you get things done more efficiently as well. You know, not to knock employees by any means, but I am a consultant, right? And we talked about this. If you hire me to do a certain project and I'm getting paid by the project, I'm going to get it done as fast as possible. And I want it to be high quality so I can get another project going. But when you're on salary and you're going to, you know, your, your job is set for a long time, you may take a little longer. And I'm not saying that, you know, yeah. people do that, but, you know, people yeah. might do that. So. <laughs> yeah, I think if you operate as a business, so here's my motto, to be collaborative, innovative, to execute timely, and to earn your reputation every day. So when you're running it like a business, you are doing those things. So you're being mm-hmm. collaborative business, you're being innovative, you're bringing different ideas to the table, to that business, because you understand their business, and then you want to execute. You got to get it done. So you want to execute, and in doing that, you have to operate in a way that you're earning your reputation. Your success yesterday was yesterday's success. So yeah. let's let it stay in yesterday. How do I earn? How do I earn my reputation today? You know, those are things that I, I live by daily. Right, makes sense, Curtis. What's been your greatest accomplishment or proudest moment in your career so far? You know, I thought about that question. So, you know, my initial answer or my surface answer, I guess I would call it, would be maybe developing or reshaping learning organizations or creating a digital learning strategy or potentially, you know, creating a college rotational program early in my career. But as I thought more about it, I'm like, you know, those are probably, you know, surface level achievements. I think the thing that makes me warm at heart is when I think about how I've affected the lives of people that I've worked with individually. Mm-hmm. So maybe finding a high potential in learning and development who just needs the opportunity to be successful yeah. and giving them that opportunity and coaching them and mentoring them along the way 
and getting out the way and, and watching them rise further than what they ever thought they could do or something maybe that I said that affected somebody's life, their thinking, potentially their career in a positive way. And I didn't know that I said it at the time, but I meet them years later and they say, remember when you said X, Y, and Z? And that really resonated with them for one reason or another. So, you know, knowing that I've affected people's lives in a positive manner, I think those were my biggest, biggest accomplishments. I love that. I mean, you're making a difference. That's what's so wonderful about this profession is you can see how you're making a difference in people's lives. What's been your biggest failure or mistake in your career so far? And what did you learn from it? Yeah, so I wrote it down a little bit. So I'm going to speak from my notes here because I really wanted to talk about it. So there are okay. two that I'm here. So there, when I was working with a previous previous employer, I was brought in as an interim leader, training leader. And the reason I was brought in is that that particular training organization needed to turn around. So when I think about it in terms of people, process, and technology, what that training team needed was a change of environment. The environment was was somewhat toxic, I guess, to say the least. So that was from a people perspective. From a process perspective, they really needed to update their training practices. So how they develop training, how they deliver training, how they measure training, they needed some updating there. And then the third thing from a technology standpoint, they had very good technology, but they weren't leveraging it to its full potential. And so they needed some better strategies on how to leverage that technology. So, you know, the mistake that I made, you know, I welcomed the opportunity. So it was a great challenge, right? The mistake that I made is I jumped into it quickly and I had some good conversations with my leader at the time, but what I didn't do enough of was to really establish upfront what the timeline was to make these changes that I've talked about. We knew we needed to make those changes. We agreed on it, but I didn't specifically say or ask, you know, what's the time frame that you want to make these changes? And because I didn't, what I did is I created my own timeline and it was probably faster than what it needed to be. So that, that was one mistake. I, I didn't clarify timelines up front. And then the other mistake in that scenario is that, for that particular team that I was working with, I expected them to rise to my expectations faster than what their, their knowledge, their skill, their capability, and quite frankly, their motivation would allow. And I achieved success. And as a team, we achieved success, but we didn't achieve it in the way, I guess, that would have made everybody feel very comfortable with the success. So what I learned is, Anytime since then that I've taken on a new assignment, you know, I always have a good conversation with my leader, but I'm specific to ask, okay, what's the timeline? When do you want to accomplish all this? Because that has implications downstream. So to get that. And the other thing is, you know, recognize the group of teammates that I'm working with, their talents, their skills, their abilities, their motivation, and to really use situational leadership to meet them where they are, right, in those specific areas and begin to build up from there. So not really expecting them to rise to my expectation, but maybe what I need to do is take some steps back, meet them where they are, and then we progressively, you know, start to go upward to meet my expectations. And in other cases, you know, as I I really evaluate people where they are, maybe I can move faster. So yeah. That would probably be the first mistake. The other one that I'll share 
is early in my career, I failed to market myself properly. And um, what I was good at was really marketing my people so that my teammates, I was really good at marketing and, and advertising the senior leadership, what their accomplishments were, how they're developing, where they have potential, so on and so forth. But I didn't necessarily do that for myself. So I had a senior leader pull me aside once and she said, you know, Curtis, I, I know what the team is great at because you're good at marketing, but you don't necessarily market yourself as much as you do your team. So I'm kind of lacking on what your brand is and where you've been successful, so to speak. So what I learned from it, that kind of hit me in, in the gut a little bit, but what I learned from it is one, I need to create my brand. I need to be proactive in creating my brand. If you don't create a brand, one will be created for you. So, you know, yep. be in creating your brand and, and two, market yourself, you know, don't be afraid to proactively, you know, market your brand and what your contributions are. I mean, do it in a way that you're comfortable with, doing, yeah. but don't not do it. I'm glad you mentioned that. It's one of my favorite subjects. I have given a couple talks about this and I may do a, an episode about it soon. This idea of building a professional brand, even if you are not an entrepreneur, you want to, you know, you're an employee, you still got to brand yourself. And whether you take control of it or not, you have a brand, right? People have a perception of you and you have an opportunity to take responsibility and control of that and kind of direct that. But if you don't do anything, it's still going to happen. People are still going to have a perception of you. And so I like that lesson there to market yourself more. You're doing that now. You're, you're on a podcast. You're, you're live on LinkedIn. I've seen you speak on a couple of panels recently at conferences I've been to. So uh, I love how you, you've took that lesson and you are proactively changing that and marketing yourself, which is fantastic. Curtis, are there any trends in talent development that you're following that maybe we haven't touched on so far? Yeah, so I think the biggest trend that I see is I think employees have always wanted career development. But if you think about digitalization, you know, how we've talked about before with the Amazons, you know, of the world, the Microsofts, if you think about digitalization and if you think about how the nature of work is changing today, I think more than ever what I'm seeing in, in various companies I work with is that people want to be developed. They've always wanted to be developed, but now there's this urgency that I'm seeing, that I'm feeling that people want to be developed because they want to be prepared for the future, whatever that looks like for them in their specific company. And, you know, that preparation, that development, that growth can be, you know, overall career developmental growth, or it could be just specific to, hey, I want to develop my skills in a specific job or in a specific department. But at the end of the day, I tend to see an urgency within people and, you know, from organizations that, you know, there's a, a big focus on development, growth, you know, upskilling, reskilling. Yeah. Um, focus. I've been noticing that as well as I've been talking to people and I've spoken about this, uh, this topic also a couple of times recently. I spoke at a, a research conference last week about talent development and was reiterating that, that you know, especially if you look at the younger generations, you were talking about data earlier, they want career development. They want to know that they're going to get that opportunity for career development. Otherwise, they're going to look somewhere else. It's not just about pay or security anymore. People want to know what opportunities they have to improve, to learn new things, to develop in their career. It's fantastic. All right. Speaking of learning and development, Curtis, I know you're prepared for this with maybe one or two. You're a big reader. What's a book that you often recommend or that's uh, made a big impact on you? I'll give you two if you want. 
Yeah, so man, it's gonna be hard to pull it back, pull it back to two. So I'll give you a couple. It's the goal. It was probably one of the first books I read in my uh, college graduate program. So it's by uh, Elijah Golrat. It's the goal. It's really a, a business business book, and it's a process of ongoing improvement. So that really helped me from a business standpoint to understand how business can improve. So that was a good book. Man, I think uh, Executive Warfare, so 10 Rules of Engagement for Success, for Winning Your War of Success by David Alessandro was a pretty informative book. There's Transformational Leadership, a Blueprint for Real Organizational Change by Randy Dobbs. And then a couple other books I would probably say is Today's African-American Achievers and How They Made It. I think that book was a, a book, big impact as an African-American learning from other executive stories on what their struggle was, what their challenges was, what their successes, you know, how they overcame various obstacles. That really helped me in my career, learning from their stories, I guess, mentorship through the book, and then figuring out how I can apply it in my own career, you know, was pretty impactful for me. That's cool. And I'm trying to remember from our last conversation that you have a little bit of a purpose and mission around that as well, helping people from different backgrounds. Yeah. So that I need to stretch. I need to stretch a little bit more, but really setting up interviews with successful, you know, leaders, whether they're African-American or, or non-African-American, but setting up successful interviews to understand you know, how did you achieve success in your career? You know, what did that look like? What were some of the obstacles that you overcame? What was your story? And then my point is from that is that people can take points from those stories. And then what I like to call operationalize it and figure out how to make it work in their life, in their careers. You know, a lot of times I see from, a, from I guess, I guess, from, you know, people who come from a blue collar family like I did, you know, the goal for us was to get to college. And when you got to college and got a degree, you were successful. Right. And, and that was a measure of success. But what we didn't realize is that was just the entry point into corporate America. And, and when you got there, there were different rules to the game, if you will. And, you know, a lot of us who came from that blue collar family didn't understand what those rules were. Yeah. And how successful navigating you know, that atmosphere. So I think through setting up these motivational, inspirational, informational interviews will help people figure out the rules of the game and how to be successful in their career. Yeah. And, and hopefully turn around and teach somebody else, you know, those rules and how to be successful. I like it. I think you should start a podcast. <laughs> it's worked well for me. Last question for you, Curtis, for anyone listening who is in talent development, learning and development, looking for ways to accelerate their careers, to improve, get to the next level. What's one more piece of advice you would give? I'd give them a few. So I think I mentioned it earlier, what I live by. So, you know, be collaborative, be a partner within your learning and development team, your talent development team, be a partner with the business. So collaborate, be innovative, make sure you execute timely, earn your reputation every day. And then beyond that, I would say know your business. So a lot of times in talent development, we know talent development, hopefully, but we don't necessarily know the business in which we're working. So if you want to be successful, you need to know that business and know why it exists. You need to know how that business makes and loses a profit. You need to know something about the market environment. For example, what products and services they make. 
you need to know how to operate a budget. So even though you're in a talent development, you're in HR, it's not a profit center. You still need to know how to operate and manage a budget. And I think beyond that, my last few pieces of advice would be, you know, find out what keeps your senior leadership up at night and then figure out how to help them solve it. And then, you know, don't be afraid to take calculated risk. And then the last thing is, it's a process, it's a journey, you know, relax, have fun, socialize, and be agile and, you know, change your plan as you go. But, you know, relax and have some fun. It's, it's a journey. That's right. Life is, you know, life is short. Have fun. Enjoy it. It is all a journey. And this interview has been quite a journey. It's been a lot of fun talking with you. So much great advice. I love how you go above and beyond. I asked for two books. You give me five. I asked for one piece of advice. You give me like six. <laughs> for anybody listening who wants to get in touch with you, maybe have more of this, you know, type of conversation, where's the best place for them to go? Yeah. So you can contact me. Uh, my email is the letter I, Curtis Brooks, no spaces, at gmail.com. So again, that's I, Curtis Brooks at gmail.com. And uh, you feel free to call me on my cell, 214-789-1435. Love it. Getting personal. And uh, you're on LinkedIn as well, I know. And yeah. people can connect with you there. And if you're not connected with me on LinkedIn, make sure you do connect and follow me because this thing went pretty pretty well live, I think. And uh, I might be doing more of these in the future. So if you want to catch it, if you're listening to the recording, you want to catch one of our interviews live in the future. Make sure you connect. Curtis, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for not only agreeing to come on to share your wisdom, experience, insights, but also agreeing to be my guinea pig in my first LinkedIn live interview. So thanks again for coming on the Talent Development Hot Seat. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. All right. Take care. All right. If you're looking for a place to connect with colleagues and peers from your industry and find out what other people in talent development are working on, you need to check out the brand new Talent Development Think Tank membership community. Inside, we have members from companies all over the world who are working on all different things in talent development and sharing what's been working, what's been not working, and answering each other's questions so we can all get our jobs done more effectively and be more successful in our careers. If you'd like to join us, we'd love to have you. Just head on over to tdtt.us slash community, and you can use code HOTSEAT for 25% off your subscription. That's tdtt.us slash community and use code HOTSEAT for a limited time for 25% off your subscription. If you have any questions, reach out to me and let me know and we'll see you there. Thanks for listening to the Talent Development Hot Seat. If you got value out of this show, please subscribe, leave a review and share with your colleagues and friends. We want to spread the word and add as much value to the talent development community as possible. And we need your help. As always, you can find more information and connect with me at talentdevelopmenthotseat.com. Take care.